All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups, and we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders, and let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions of the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to have the team of Art and Rez on the show. We have multiple founders here, so I'm going to let them all introduce themselves, and then we'll go into what Art and Rez is. So with that said, can you guys introduce yourselves? Hey, hey Matt. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, this is John Sillings. I'm the CEO. I'm Noni. I'm, I'm co-founder. I'm doing marketing and operations, and I'm John's wife. Hi, I'm Dan, Dan McHugh. Uh, I do design and front end for Art and Res. Hey, I'm John Friel. I'm uh, the technical co-founder. All right. I'm excited to have you all on the show. As the listeners probably know, this is a record. We have the most founders that we've had on a podcast episode. I'm excited. <laughs> Lots of dynamics, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, you're all here on this podcast talking about this company and people listening may not even know what the company is. So can can one of you please dive into what Art and Res is and, and what you all do? Definitely. So Art and Res is a marketplace uh, that makes fine art affordable to almost anyone. So instead of buying art uh, outright in a big lump sum and spending hundreds or thousands of dollars, uh, we allow customers, our collectors, to buy in manageable monthly installments. Okay. Um, so in a nutshell, what we're doing is uh, we're, we're democratizing art collecting um, from a sort of like niche hobby for uh, very well-educated, experienced collectors to something that um, normal people can do. Yeah, that's awesome. There's two elements of this that I want to dive into. The first element is kind of the why, the story, uh, and like kind of the idea. We'd love to hear where the original idea came from and also why you decided to tackle it with the approach you took, um, which is kind of like, you know, payment installments. Um, I guess a little bit of the founding story would be great. Cool. Uh, Noni, do you want to take the founding story? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, So yeah, we we kind of kicked this off after a very serendipitous brunch in Williamsburg. Um, John and I were out to breakfast in 2017. And uh, just a little background on us. John worked for years as a financial analyst in New York. And I was sort of the queen of the gig economy, um, studied drama at NYU Tisch, and then graduated and waited tables and did bike tours and was a street promoter and a nanny and just John had sort of witnessed me living um, the uh, balance of the artist's life and then all of those gig jobs that you have to do to survive alongside of it. Um, 
so we were out to breakfast one day and uh, our bartender at this restaurant, which is called Meadow Suite in uh, South Williamsburg, if anyone's been there, I don't know, um, happened to be a visual artist and he was like really a game with his hustle culture. So he basically whipped us up to mimosas and then put his iPhone down and said, hey guys, by the way, I'm going to go get your food from the kitchen, but you guys can browse my work while I'm there. I'm a painter. And uh, I was sort of like, okay, because I kind of, I was like, all right, artists were always hustling. But John was like, wow, this is really awesome work. And um, we both were, found ourselves kind of flipping through his paintings and truly like blown away by them. We were like, wow, this is really, really great. Um, and then, you know, one mimosa led to another and we ended up a uh, very kind, very kind invitation at his Bushwick artist loft, like a few hours later. Um, and we ended up buying three paintings from him, which was a terrifying experience for me because I had very little funds at the time. And I knew John to be someone who was a little bit like more adventurous than me. And I remember pulling him aside out, outside before we walked into this guy's loft and being like John we've never purchased art before we were completely green um, and I don't know how much paintings are and I don't have that kind of money so please don't like put us in a weird awkward position just because we're having a great day um, but then we, I, I wasn't yeah. scared at all I was just totally excited <laughs> but uh, viewing yeah. Noni's reaction of being like so terrified was was like a pivotal moment for for, for art and you know we had this little discussion outside where I was like I'm a normal person I don't collect art and John was like you don't know anything about what what's what it's going to be like so and then what ended up happening is we go in and I'm like all nervous that I'm going to have like this white glove gallery jittery experience and he gave us two glasses of wine introduced us to his ferrets his dogs his like beautiful girlfriend and we ended up just like hanging out in this beautiful artist space um where he lived and painted and he had over i think the thing that really started this idea in our heads was looking around his house he had over 40 paintings just painted and john asked him like what are what do you do with all of this work like how are you selling it like how are you getting it out there we love it do you just show it to people at the restaurant he was like well i'm trying to sell it on instagram um i i trying to i'm i'm hoping to be represented by a gallery one day but uh they're just i i'll never stop painting and it's really hard to connect with just people and get them to come check out your work and see it in person um and so i think the problem for us was we had such an amazing experience and ended up with our first three paintings and did not break the bank whatsoever. And we were just thinking, how can we, you know, the serendipity of this day, how can we recreate something like that um, and help people like us who are new to art collecting realize it's actually really um, a affordable and there are artists all around you making creative, um, just incredible work um, that is not, you know they're not yet gallery represented and there's a there's a big gap there um yeah so give me an idea of a st average yeah let's talk about an, an average artist that hasn't you know made it big in the studios yet but has sold something there's like someone with skill that is in the market but struggles a little bit or maybe a lot to get there to make a sustainable income 
what is the current solution or the current ways that an artist kind of gets by or makes a living today? And then we'll talk about how it works with, with your platform. Sure. Um, a lot of artists are trying to sell um, independently and via Instagram or their own sites or their um, posting in different groups on Facebook. But leveraging social media, I would say, is like a big element of trying to sell your work right now as an independent artist. And artists who are trying to be represented by galleries are particularly sensitive um, especially if you if you foresee if you're really trying to get to that next level as an artist in the art world they're particularly sensitive about where they'll list their work so um, you're you're kind of like not you're seeing a lot of people avoiding listing on something like Etsy um, because the art world is very uh, artists are sensitive they want to they want their work represented in the right kind of light um, so traditional sort of uh, shop-like marketplaces aren't necessarily a good fit, but there is something about Instagram that is um, just more direct. And um, so we are seeing a lot of artists leveraging Instagram. Okay, so you you have, you know, Instagram, social media, I think the dynamic of artists not wanting to share on Etsy is super interesting. Um, but I, I kind of want to get into uh, art and res. So I'm on your site now, and it's really interesting. It, like, it, if you're not if you're not on the site now and you're listening to this, it's art and art in res.com. Can one of you describe how you came about um, just creating this? Um, you know, the, from the brand to the different art pieces. Um, I'm curious about just that product. And then next, I want to get dive into how you decided the business model and like how you decided to charge. Yeah, we, we tried a bunch of things, actually. The, the first thing we really tried to do was to basically just replicate uh, Maya and Noni's experience directly by getting folks into the um, by getting folks into the artist studio to have that same kind of like amazing experience that we did. Um, but uh, that was tricky for various reasons. The, the main one being that artists tend to be uh, sort of like located on like the outskirts of cities and people who sort of like match my profile of like, uh, I don't know, I guess like a yuppie finance person or something like that tend to be sort of like really busy and in, in the sort of like denser central part of New York where we launched. Um, so that was challenging. So then we tried uh, renting artworks to sort of like get people to try art before they, they buy it, thinking that that would sort of lower the entry barrier. And we had a little bit of traction there and didn't really take off the way we wanted, but we were, we were seeing some promising um, activity. And then we launched four weeks ago with the, the focus on installment payments and that's really been working for us um and that's been super exciting and uh i have to say john john friel and dan um i think really did a fa fabulous job with our site they they built it uh from the ground up and if you want to get into this sort of like technical stuff uh maybe maybe john if you want to chime in john friel uh the technical piece uh is that something that's interesting to your audience well i'm just i'm 
Here, there's, you know, actually, if you don't mind, do you mind if I jump in with something that's not what you just asked about? Sure. So there's a there's a core insight that I, I want to make sure that we highlight that I think we maybe didn't drill into enough. Um, so I, I used to be an artist and a lot of artists, their core assumption is that what it means to have a career and to make it is to get um, to get represented by a gallery, which is just what the the language is for when you have a relationship with a gallery that sells your art on your behalf. So there's this idea that somewhere out there are these like super wealthy people who would buy your art and the way to get access to them is through a gallery. So artists, there's this like holy grail that's somewhere that's far away that they don't understand how to access. And what I realized when John was talking to me about this idea is that he had a symmetrical feeling about art where he thought that artists were these, this like holy grail that only people who achieved some really uh, hard to attain state in their life could have access to. And uh, I realized that, you know, just sort of like normal people and normal artists could be put directly in touch with each other. And there's, there, there's something missing in the world if these two types of people weren't finding each other already. So a lot of young artists or artists who haven't uh, gotten to the point in their career that they'd really like to are producing really amazing art all the time. And it's sitting around in studios collecting dust and a lot of normal people uh, who would get a ton of joy out of that art are not getting access to it. They think that, you know, I would have to be a really wealthy person to be an art collector. So I saw the potential that John had identified to connect these two types of people together. And I figured that we just had to find a way to make that happen. It seems like in every single industry, there is the quote unquote deal like in music, there is getting the record deal. In startups, there is getting the VC deal. And it turns out it's the same case here where you're talking about, um, I'm going to, I forget the actual specific, but oh, gallery, getting into a gallery. And what right, you're doing, representation. yeah. And you're pretty much, um, this probably isn't the language you would use, but like you're, you're saying, no, you don't, maybe it is, but like you don't need to go through a gallery to make a living doing what, what, what you love. You can go through us. So I kind of want to, um, dive into like these. Tell me about the insight that you had, um, any of you, on the paying in installments. Is the way this works is that then the artist gets paid in installments, so it's almost like recurring income. Is yeah. there what have you learned about the installments so far? Because I do think it's a brilliant, um, a brilliant wedge into the market of you know art for normal people like myself. Like I, I would, I would buy something on this, and I haven't bought art in the past, so like I'm definitely in the market for sure. Yeah, really, really appreciate that. So uh, there are a couple elements there. Um, before I get into the installments thing, I do want to sort of uh, call out something that, that may not be obvious. Um, everyone on our team, uh, kind of with the exception of me, is, is an artist in some capacity. So like we really take those parallels seriously, like the record deal, the big break as an actor, um, getting gallery representation as a visual artist. Like it's, it's sort of a thing that is generalizable across like all of the arts, this, this kind of like skill gap uh, between like how many talented folks there are out there and um, how easy it is to, to make a career on the back of uh, that artistic talent. Um, but getting into the installment payments, really there, there are two things that happened. 
Number one is we were kind of aware of this being a thing already. Uh, galleries often for their like really esteemed elite collectors will let them pay in installments. Um, and then even on like the very, very entry level of the art world, like artists, independent artists will uh, set up payment plans for close friends and family. Uh, you just don't see it too much for like strangers because of the administrative difficulty and some awkwardness around um, basically enforcing the, the installment payment. Um, but we make it really easy and the artists uh, recognize the value in it. So um, it's, it's actually been a pretty easy transition. The other thing is that when we were doing the, the rental thing, this sort of try before you buy thing where we were having like a little bit of traction, uh, we found that a lot of our users were using the rental in that way. They were kind of jerry-rigging it to uh, pay in installments. Um, so that was a really strong signal for us that, uh, that this was the, this was the thing to focus on. And another question, this is maybe slightly technical on the business side, but I am curious, um, just cause I don't know the market that well, like you obviously want to avoid the problem of having so many artists on your platform that, you know, they're not all getting attention and they're not making money off it, but you also want, you, you know, you, you want, you don't want to have the opposite problem where you have a few little artists and, you know, potential users come on and they're like, they don't see anything that they're like, how do you find the market equilibrium to, especially in a, in, in, in this platform that you probably have a lot of people that didn't fancy themselves being on a site like this a year ago. At least that's my case. So how, how do you, how do you balance that? Um, it's kind of, I guess that is kind of a technical question, but like, are you open to diving into how to, how to make sure you have a good balance? Sorry, you cut out for me a bit there. How, how we have a good balance? Yeah. A balance of, uh, artists selling, um, uh, you know, their, their, their drawings, their paintings on the platform and people buying, I guess the dynamics of marketplaces. Um, like we, I'm just, I'm just interested to know, like when you attract certain, when you attract a lot of people that want to buy, um, buy paintings or buy drawings or anything like that, how do you make sure there's like a, the right amount on the platform? Not too many, not too little. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Totally understand. Um, so I think this is like a problem that almost all marketplaces have to deal with is like, you're basically building two businesses. Um, you need to figure out how you're going to acquire your supply. So in our case, artists, artworks, et cetera. Um, and then you need to figure out how you're going to acquire your demand. So um, collectors, buyers. Uh, and for us, we started with supply. We knew that was important. Uh, we knew it was important to have a managed marketplace to curate the collection. Um, but what we've been seeing now that we have, you know, several thousand artworks on the platform, uh, over a hundred artists, um, is that it kind of is an ecosystem. There's a degree in our case of like a self-regulation. Uh, artists bring in collectors. Um, when collectors buy more work, uh, artists tell other artists about us. Uh, and then more artists apply. Um, so it's a, even though we're not at like a crazy scale yet or anything like that, that's a very, very exciting thing for us is this sort of prospect of uh, demand creating supply and supply creating demand um, within the context of, uh, of our marketplace. There's this 
podcast episode with Keith Raboy talking about um was this was this it was PayPal um when Keith Raboy was getting a demand from Peter Thiel when working on PayPal not a demand but like they were talking about how to solve a problem with PayPal on growth and uh, Keith told uh, you know uh, Peter Thiel early on, you know, we're not getting much organic growth, but I'm no, Oh, sorry. No, this was, sorry. I'm going to back up, fact check myself. This is square with Jack Dorsey. And, uh, um, Keith told Jack, you know, um, we're not doing any marketing, but we have this consistent growth. It's like 3% a day or whatever it was. And they figured out the code of they, they codified and figured out what was causing that growth. And they built products around that growth. And it was referrals. When you put a square in a coffee shop, people see it. Then they then three percent of those people will adopt it, or one percent, or whatever. And it's kind of like what you're just saying, where you're you're finding these things that are causing organic growth, which probably in the future are going to enable you to build products around that and scale, you know, much faster when you're when you're able to. Yeah, I think that's. That's such a great example. And like, there are, we're really thinking actively along like ways we can, um, you know, so art is sort of like a naturally, the product kind of advertises itself to a degree. Um, and artists also like talk. So that's a good thing. Um, but there are probably all kinds of things. I mean, fair is a great example uh, of a marketplace that really figured out how to um, explore those referral dynamics. Because you can have, in our case, collectors recommending collectors, artists recommending artists, artists bringing on collectors, and collectors requesting artists. So like there are four potential referral uh, channels there. Um, and some of them you know, work better than others, but uh, we're also not powerless in our, um, you know, our ability to uh, nurture some of, those, some of those channels too. That makes sense. I have a, a couple more questions and then we'll uh, wrap it up. So I am, you know, as, as we're talking, I'm browsing the site a little bit and more so browsing some of these awesome pieces of art. Um, you have incredible, incredible works of art on here. But I, along with maybe a lot of your other first time users, like I don't exactly know what I want, what kind of art I want, what should I, you know, what should I buy? What looks good in my room? Like, do you, do you, do people that come onto your site are they this raw in regards to understanding art or do they have a base understanding? Um, and uh, how do you educate people on art or, or do you, I can, I'd love to just hear that dynamic on, do you educate people on what kind of good art is? And if not, what type of people do you attract to the site? Totally. That's a great question. Um, so one really like crazy thing about us is that, the vast majority of our users are new art collectors. So when we poll our users, it's like well over 50%. This is the first piece of art they've ever bought. Um, and then and a much greater percentage of that, like 80%-ish, uh, they're new art buyers. So like maybe it's one of their first five pieces, say. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a huge opportunity for, for education. Uh, we're starting to build some of that into the site. Um, but a lot of that actually happens sort of organically too. So we have a, basically our own version of DMs and um, artists and collectors, uh, they have discussions, they sort of explore uh, inspirations and um, processes and that kind of thing. And people 
tell us that that's one of their favorite things is they have these really cool conversations with artists uh, and you know they sort of learn by by jumping in which is which is exactly what I did. Um, we also have the benefit of uh, John Friel, our CTO is also an extremely talented artist and extremely knowledgeable um, art person. So uh, John, maybe you can talk a little bit about like um, some of the things that, so just like some of the general like areas people can, can learn about when they're, uh, when they're getting into art. Like what is there to know essentially? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd also love to know, like, as me, like, you can even just talk to me, like, I want, I want to know what pieces, how do I think about art? How do I know what to buy? How do I know what my style is? Can you suggest, you know, just any websites, resources, anything like that to educate myself on how I know how to be like a more sophisticated art buyer? Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily an issue of being um, sophisticated or not. Like, I think you should probably trust your own intuitions and, you know, just look at some art and see what resonates with you. And then when you find some things that resonate with you, spend some time with them, look at them more closely, uh, try to figure out for yourself, just observe your own experience. Uh, you know, is there something about the sense of narrative or what's going on in the painting that is intriguing to me? Is there something about the way that it's made, the way the images conveyed? Uh, a thing that activates a lot of paintings is uh, a tension between the pictorial space and the material that's used to create the image. So a painting is always actually just this uh, colored goo that's been smeared around. And there's always a tension between that material of the colored goo and whatever the picture is that's resolving in your brain. Um, I, you know, I think that there's not, uh, you shouldn't feel like you need to be quote sophisticated in order to start understanding or experiencing art. Um, I would really just dive in, see what resonates with you and uh, just observe your own experience over time. That's a great answer. And Definitely right. I think as I as I browse through the site, I there are some where I'm like I wouldn't I wouldn't consider that, and there's others where I'm like I really like that, but it's a little out of my range. And the, but that's good. I can look at that style and be like, okay, well, you know, what can I find that's similar to this that might be a little a little more in my range, which is uh, which is cool. So one more question, and then I'll go to the the, the standard final question that I ask. How? Um, well, actually, no, I'll save it. I'll flip them. So, okay, my, I, I, this is my final question. Then I have a, a couple of actual final questions after. What is the, uh, the big vision here? Y you, you, know, you mentioned that you're a pretty nascent platform a little early, but very, very, very bright future for you, I mean, ahead of you. Um, we'd love to hear, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, what is Art and Res? What is it doing? What, what income is it providing? I'd love to just hear the, the big vision that, that, that you have. We totally. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. So, yeah. Go ahead. Wait, uh, sorry. We're having some audio issues on our end. Yeah. Did you want to take it? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so the big vision is to democratize art collecting. Um, and, and that's a twofold thing. Uh, number one is that um, art collecting right now is not done by too many people. Uh, the National Endowment for the Arts 
uh, in, a, in a recent report said something like 2% of people buy art every year. Uh, we don't think there's a good reason that couldn't be something more like 20 or 30% of people. Um, obviously the price points will be lower, but uh, that's, that's just great. Because the second part of it is really the important part. Um, when you buy art from an independent artist, uh, you're making a huge, huge difference in their life. Uh, being an artist is really hard. Um, most artists have other jobs. Uh, artists have bills to pay, just like the rest of us. Um, and when an artist is at the beginning of their career or hasn't broken through, or you know, maybe they're a lifelong independent artist, um, the, the sale is incredibly important to them, not just from a, a monetary perspective, but from a career development perspective. So there's a huge opportunity for more people to be engaging with art in a meaningful way. And we want to structurally change what it means to be a visual artist and change that experience to make it better. I think I would also say that really there, there's so much amazing art out there that is getting produced and then sitting in quiet corners in studios collecting dust and not getting seen. And we would like for more of that art to get out in the world. And that will mean that more artists are able to make a living doing what they love and more people will get really amazing art in their homes. Something that I'm observing in this could be wrong, but I kind of feel like it's not that like in, in, in tech start in like startups and in software, oftentimes you have techies solving problems that generally like techies or developers have. And what, what's interesting about this is I, I personally have never seen a platform like this before. And I think it's because it's not in, it's not like the average thing that just, just people want to build in startups. Like it's not obvious, right? But because most of you are artists, you have this unique insight that allows you to, to apply this software to it that allows you to like build this in a totally separate, almost world from typical tech startups. Like I don't know, I have no idea what your competition is. I don't really care to know if you have any, but just I, th I think it's cool how unique this product is. Um, my, last, uh, my last couple of questions are how can a artist get on the platform and if they wanted to or apply or however that works and then how can someone like me or anyone listening purchase a piece of art if they're in the car right now and they can't do it on their on their computer right now um well you can purchase it on your phone <laughs> uh to take the last question first and um we love when artists apply to us of course uh if you just go to our homepage, um it'll pop right up uh the artist application um obviously we're we're super excited for people to come and check out the art even if and especially if uh they're new art collectors like it's a really really exciting experience it's actually i mean fair warning it's kind of addictive too like i went from this sort of like totally naive art world person to like a complete I mean, Noni will tell you, like, we have way more art than we have space in our tiny New York apartment for. Uh, John is a similar story. I mean, John has a, John is an artist himself and uh, has artists, lots of close artist friends, but um, it does transcend uh, decoration. And like, we really, we really get so excited when, when uh, new, new people to, to the art world come and, and check out our site. So obviously delighted if people uh, listening come check us out. And yeah, send well, us your artist friends. If you have artist friends who uh, would be interested, we, we love a recommendation as well. 
All right. Well, I was going to ask, do you have any asks for the audience, but you're already a step ahead of me, which is amazing. Um, I love, I, I just love, you know, you're all, you're definitely missionaries. I talk a lot about on the podcast, mercenaries versus missionaries. And I definitely think you're missionaries doing this for the right reasons, building an awesome platform. Um, I will give you the opportunity to say anything else if you want. Is there any other ask that you have uh, for the audience uh, any any way that we can help you um, other than things already mentioned or you can emphasize those things as well. H how else can we help? Um, I think the main thing that would be incredible is uh, if you're an artist, check us out. Um, submit an application if you're interested. If you're you're new to art and curious about it, check us out. Uh, maybe consider consider buying something and um and supporting an artist uh and if you have questions or anything like that uh just drop us a line everyone at artandres.com uh we'll all get the email and we'd really really love to uh talk to our users so we're a y combinator company we just um you know this is this is general startup advice but uh it's advice we take super seriously is to just uh we love talking to people who visit our site and people who uh, become collectors through us and don't be shy. Uh, that, that would be my additional ask. We, we love talking to folks who, who are interested. In all that. One other thing, um, just Dan is on the call and he's being really quiet and uh, Dan is our secret weapon and we couldn't have done it without him. He's uh, <laughs> the best thing about our team. So even he's, not, he's not saying anything. I just want to make sure he gets his, uh, his little bit of uh, recognition. <laughs> Dan, you are awesome. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you being part of uh, of this amazing company as you all are a part of this. Like I mean like like this is if you're I haven't asked for everyone listening, if you haven't you know even if you don't intend on buying um and you just want to check out some of the art, literally just go to artandres.com. It is really beautiful stuff and I'm probably going to tell my girlfriend about it. I mean, we'll purchase something. So, and the great thing about it, now I'm like selling it too. It's like the great thing about it is like, you don't have to buy it all now. It's, it's like in through installments, you'll see like the low prices and stuff. Anyways, I'm a big fan. I just never thought I would, you know, be into art in any capacity, but you kind of like are slowly turning me. So thank you all for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate it. And thanks for sharing this with the world and the forward thinking founders community. And I wish you all the best of luck moving forward, spreading art around the world. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily, there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman, and that is Matt with one T. So hit me up, shoot me a DM, and I'm happy to check out what you're working on, and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please rate this podcast in the iTunes store, that would be awesome. I'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders. And the only way to do that, or one of the ways to do that, is growing with rankings. So if you like what you're listening to, please just go onto the iTunes store, give it five stars or four, you know, or three. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but just tell whatever I deserve, you should rate that. 
With that, I'm signing off. See you next time. Bye.